0: Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. We are coming to you live from the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas at the Restaurant Transformation Tour event hosted by Restaurant 365. Today, we're going to be talking to the financial side of Wolfgang Puck, Fine Dining Group. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you Thanks. for having us. Please introduce yourself for our, for our audience.
1: Julia Guksekian, I'm the controller for Wolfgang Puck Fine Dining and Worldwide.
2: And Mike Lubitz, I am the chief financial officer for Wolfgang Puck Fine Dining and Worldwide.
0: So, Michael, we're going to start with you. Okay. How do you become the chief financial officer?
2: Uh, eat, spend too much time in uh, restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I think it's just a natural, you know, a natural phenomena, if you will, if you aspire to do you know, greater things in terms of uh, finance and accounting, you eventually, you know, hopefully have the opportunity to rise that to that level. Uh, I've done it in both private and public companies for the last 25 years.
0: What attracted you to Wolfgang Puck's?
2: Interestingly, I think it was be- because it was the one aspect of restaurants, in terms of one genre that I'd not done before, fine dining. Uh, previously, in previous with the previous employers, I've been doing um, QSR, fast casual, casual dining, um, and this is the one thing that throughout my career I actually wanted to be involved in a fine dining group. So it was an opportunity that arose, and I jumped right on it. What
0: differentiates fine dining from everything else you've done in the past?
2: Interestingly enough, not a lot. <laughs> um, no, I think um, you know it's it's funny because I. I Used to collaborate with another group of CFOs uh, when I was in uh, one one position, and it was actually a, a QSR type concept. And but we met collectively, fine dining CFOs, QSR, everything in between, and we'd meet monthly for breakfast. And really, we talk about our talk about our problems, and it was amazing how similar or <laughs> basically identical all our problems were. It was a matter of scale and whatnot. You know, I think the one di- differentiating factor um, with fine dining, for me at least, is the fact that there's a much greater focus on the guest experience than in some of the other concepts. I mean, it's kind of, kind of the thing that, you know, it's our holy grail. I mean, it's the thing that we hold very dear is that the, the guests have an extraordinary experience in our restaurants. Are you still doing these breakfasts? Uh, no, because that was in New York and I'm in Las Vegas at this point. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Well, I I think it's very interesting when you talk about like-minded people getting together and we think that our problems are different. And then the more that we discuss, you know, here at this restaurant, 365 event, there's over 500 people here from all over the country, all different concepts, all different sizes. And when we actually share our truth about the things that, you know, today, this week, this quarter, are keeping us up at night that we're working on it's amazing that somebody else might have the answer that you're looking for which is why it's powerful to do networking like that and come to events like this
2: yeah i i agree wholeheartedly and you know unlike many other industries the one thing that's nice about restaurants is it is collaborative yes you know you're not my competitor you're, <laughs> no. you know, you know what i'm saying you know i speak to another restaurateur and we can have an open conversation about yeah. what's going on in our business and nobody's you know thinking well you're going to steal my idea yeah so how did you get into the from the finance
0: to hospitality and now the blend of both
1: so i actually worked in my prior positions in uh, uh, for a very large construction manufacturer in um here in the united states and worldwide for many years and then i also prior to joining world impact work for the Cisco, which was a food distributor, sure. the largest one. And this, so I worked where we manufactured food. Mm-hmm. I worked where we distributed food, but I've never worked where we served food. So that was interesting to me. And the name Wolfgang Park obviously was pretty, you know, well known and respected in the restaurant industry. And when this opportunity came um, to me, uh, I was very excited about it um, and that my boss and I had an interview that lasted three hours. Which three hour was, interview? Yes, it was, uh, which um, was very, very- In person or? In person. Yeah, okay. we, we spoke for two hours and 45 Did minutes. Did he recruit actually. you? Uh, well, he interviewed me, somebody, um, <laughs> connected us yep. and he interviewed me and I walked away from that realizing, you know, when you meet somebody and you can have a very enjoyable conversation for that long, uh, there's something to it. Yeah. Um, so super excited to be with Wolfgang Puck and uh, has not been a dull moment since the day I started. So.
0: What kind of perspective do you have coming from manufacturing and distribution? What kind of strengths can you bring to a restaurant group, even a group as powerful as Wolfgang Puck? from knowing what you've learned on those other sides?
1: I think a lot of it, I understand the process of cost and what it takes to get an item to even to us when we receive Mm -hmm. it. Right. So that's definitely um, something um, I have quite a bit of extensive experience in in costing out the items to a point where they get to a place of distribution. Um their guest service is uh as Mike mentioned is very high in our priority list. It's probably the thing we focus the most after the cost, or maybe on an equal level as well as cost of food. Um so I don't know, hopefully I've brought some other things to the table. I'm still here, so that's a good thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, and I would say I I, I think one of the, the, the great things that she brought from her background is 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 the discipline. To have procedures and and you know things that that need to happen um, you know on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, in many ways, the group and you know I've been with them for roughly seven years. Uh, when I joined, it was you know a company had been around for almost at that point forty years. Amazing. Yet, yet we still operated very much like a mom and pop uh, operation. And I think we've bought, you know, process and discipline, uh, to the organization and, you know, to her credit, a lot of that's, you know, Julia's efforts.
0: Can you give us a, an idea of the size and scope of the restaurant group? How many locations, employees?
2: So, so we're a little bit odd in that we, we are organized into a different, in a different kind of buckets, if you will. Sure. Um, we have, Something that's called Wolf, Wolfgang Puck Worldwide, which is a licensing operation, mm-hmm. and it's actually you know a franchised licensor uh, of restaurants, uh, which are both domestic and international. There's roughly eighty five units, um, mostly non traditional units, meaning uh, they're you know universities, colleges, airports, airports. things of that nature. Did do you do stadiums as well, or? Um, yeah, I mean we you High know end. we've yeah yeah we've done some some stadium deals uh, in the past. Um, looking to do more, you know. They're building a few more stadiums yep. in in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. so hopefully. Uh, but anyhow, so th- that's one part of. It. We also have a consumer very rich consumer products business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, occasionally you'll see you know you'll see Wolfgang appear, let's say on HSN. Yes. You know, hawking some things, dropping a few f bombs. <laughs> um, yeah, he he, he uh, he's rather comical. It's yes. great to see the cringe on the HSN woman's face. <laughs> <laughs> uh but nonetheless. And yeah, so that's that that's one part of our business. Uh, the other is our fine dining group. and our fine dining group is both domestic and international restaurants uh, throughout the world, predominantly the Spago and cut brands, which are two flagship brands, if yeah. you will. but we also have a lot of other things a um, lot other, other brands, other concepts that feed into that. Um, that also comprises, you know, we also do food service management, if you will, for major hotels. So yeah. as an example, uh, 45 Park Lane in London, we're responsible for all the food and beverage operations for that uh, Dorchester Group mm-hmm. Hotel. Uh, Pendry, West Hollywood, we do the same thing. And um, I guess we have one in um, actually the Matil Palace in Budapest. Same, same thing. We do all the food and beverage there. Uh, And in many others, we just have a restaurant, two restaurants, three restaurants, whatever, um, in in a different location, you know, different hotel location.
0: When you look at the revenue pie, so to speak, what gets you the most excited about the different opportunities? I know that you have different income streams. It's Something interesting for me as someone that started as a as just a a mom and pop barbecue restaurant shop to see, you know, we're doing media now. We're trying to get in the consumer packaged goods. So many of these things are big picture, but you realize why successful brands like yourself have ventured into so many different, different arenas. The results are in National Restaurant Association show, Kyle and Sarah and myself, we were at the Davos sales tax booth and we were polling restaurant owners on the floor. This was a very unscientific poll, but the results are resounding. Restaurant owners do not like sales tax. Nobody likes sales tax. Doesn't matter what business owner you are, small business, big business. Davo automates the sales tax process. We are so grateful that Davo is the sponsor of this show. They automate sales tax, our Cali barbecue restaurants. It is $50 a month. It integrates with all the major point of sale partners, including toast. So if you want to sleep at night, if you want to not worry about sales tax, Go to Davo, check them out, Davo Sales Tax. Uh, let us know how they're helping automate your sales tax in your restaurant so that we can share your Davo story on digital hospitality.
2: Well, I would say from a, you know, kind of bang for your buck yep. perspective, uh, probably the thing that excites me most is the the managed restaurant business. And I don't mean, not not franchised, but yep. the managed high-end fine dining restaurants. because. It's kind of it's basically franchising on steroids yes. is, is how I characterize it, because the it, person you. you the person who you're doing it with is generally a high end hotel yep. like a Four Seasons or, a, you know, Rosewood or, or something like that. They're putting up 100 percent of the money money to open the restaurant to build it out. But to your specification, we have a great deal of control over the restaurant. We you know, we are key in terms of, you know, we're involved in the hiring of the, the key people, mm-hmm. the, the chef, the general manager. Uh, you know, sometimes the level below that, um, and we we kind of we control the menu, we control the pricing, all of that. And with all of this, again, it's all on their dime, but we get a percentage of the top line, yep. and we get a percentage of the profits. Amazing. So, you know, and do you so- also help? Uh, you control the vendor process as well. Yes, we, you know, to we an do, extent, we pay, the, off yes, their we, and we have actually veto yeah. authority, if you will, because at the end of the day, it all has to meet our standards uh, because we're not interested in, you know, getting in a situation where it's an inferior, let's say an inferior meat vendor yeah. as it, by way of example, and it, it doesn't show well in terms of, you know, in terms of our menu.
0: Sure. Can you talk, you, you mentioned true cost, understanding that something cost money to get manufactured, cost money to get distributed, and then actually cost money for us to, to, to it. buy it yeah, and for our restaurants. Right. And then we have to sell okay, it, right? Um, can you talk about rebates? Because it's something that people don't talk about. I just had a conversation recently where we're going through a fit food process uh, at our restaurant, mm-hmm. but rebates is something that isn't talked about a lot. Can you talk about true cost, landing cost, rebates? How do you view it and how do you have a open transparent? Because we're all in business to make money. Right. And once you start talking about rebates, you start to question, well, how much am I really paying?
1: Right. And, and it's a bit of a, it's not a simple process. <laughs> Let's just um, call it that How did way. it get so
0: complicated?
1: Well, I think, you know, when you have agreements in place with your vendors and uh, your committed, not, not committed in the sense that if you don't purchase so much, but they know your volume, right? They know your consistency of the volume. That helps them drive their costs down, sure. right? Which is why they are able to offer rebates. The purchase power of, you know, a company that has multiple locations in multiple uh, regions in the United States and even internationally definitely plays into role, um, into the, the extent of the rebate that you're receiving. We have, I'm not going to take credit for any other bids we get uh, ever because we do have a purchasing director who is very involved and in been with us for a very long time and has a very good relationship with the vendors that oversees the process mm-hmm. and controls um, the purchase process to an extent. Uh, and it's an example of how we, from accounting standpoint, able to assist in the process is, you know, we'll get a request for, hey, we want to buy from this vendor, we're like, Can you complete the credit application? Because that comes through my team. And we're like, okay, what are you buying? And are we already, do we have an established vendor we can purchase from who is also happens to be on the repay program. That does not mean that we're not gonna go and support um, situations where We truly do need to go to this vendor because they have a niche product or a specialty item that we want to offer you know a lot of times it's a local cuisine because we do pride ourselves in in integrating and supporting local vendors no matter where the location is you know international or domestic but we have a very um quick turnaround process with our purchasing director to say hey this is what the request is Mm -hmm. is it something we can facilitate with existing vendors or do we go out and you know he will step in and say yes we can get it the same quality product from x y or z or no go ahead and help them get this vendor set up and get the purchasing going so i think it's collaborative effort it's uh, it's understanding it's everybody's understanding of what uh an appreciation for each other's expertise i think is what makes rebates a successful program mm-hmm and we do a pretty good job at it. So we, we do get, uh, and we benefit from the rebate. From the financial reporting standpoint, we don't necessarily break it back down into cost of sales, right? Yep. So if we purchase chicken from, Mary, you know, Mary's chicken or wherever, and we pay this much, yes, we, we know what it is after the rebate, but we, we don't necessarily put it back to cost of sales and meat. Mm-hmm. We just record the rebate revenue as a, as a separate line item on the P&L. Um, which I think is a proper way to do it. Otherwise, I'll probably need like three more accountants just to break it down <laughs> <laughs> to the invoice level or the vendor level. Um, but yeah, I think the collaboration between restaurant operations, the chefs, the purchasing department um, has a lot to do with uh, being successful and uh, and getting and maximizing your rebates.
0: So this show is called Digital Hospitality. We're so focused on hospitality that we do in the, in real life. I mean, in real life, we believe that every business is in the hospitality business. They just don't know it. Um, the the people that embrace hospitality are able to differentiate themselves in the market. Um, but then you also need the digital tools. You know, we've come so far in the last 20, 30 years with the internet web 1.0 web 2.0 to get to where we rely so heavily on tools that help us, grow our business, build more profitable, more sustainable brands that customers come to to love. Why did you guys use Restaurant
2: 365? Well, I'm not going to tell you the real story. I want the real story. This come on. Well, the real story is, well, the real story is because we detested compete.
0: (laughs) That's
2: fantastic, um, and and actually, it's Fashionism funny because it's funny. Fantastic. So this is a few years ago. And, the truth vibrates the fastest. Well, and and compete approached us and said, you know, basically the company this prior to my involvement with the business, mm-hmm. but had purchased compete software, so yeah. they owned the software, but their data was stored on compete servers. Okay, and compete said, well, we're we're coming up with a new program. Um, we're going to have an SAS model, and here are your options. You can pay you know, and again, I don't remember, it's been a number of years. You can pay 5,000 a month to store your data and continue to use your software. And by the way, you know, you'll have to pay for updates and all those other things like, you know, 3% for updates and da-da-da-da-da, okay, of your original software cost. Or you can go to our SAS model and pay $4,000 a month. And you'll have all those things, you know, included. And I said, so, well, what happens to the, you know, two three hundred thousand dollars that mm-hmm. we've already expended on software. Well, that's just a sunk cost. I said, well, you know, I'm looking for at least some credit for that. Yeah. Uh, and it was clearly, you know, again, I don't want to get into anybody else's business, but they were looking for a, you know, either a PE partner or something. And by doing this, they would recognize if they would got me to move to SAS. Yeah they would recognize all the deferred revenue they had on that two, $300,000 of software. Wow. You know, and I didn't care for that. I talked to their CFO about it and said, this is, you know, it's kind yeah. of a Bush move, dude. Yeah. Like this is not right. Um, and that's when I started looking for alternatives and it just so happened that uh, I met Morgan, uh, Morgan Harris. And when was uh, that? Seventeen two thousand seventeen. 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I met Morgan, and uh, we started talking about the product. It sounded interesting. Uh, over my career, I've been involved with a number of software enterprises that are in their, let's say, infancy. Yep. I don't, I don't want to say infancy, but early development stage. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never shied away from being an early adopter. Um, I've always found that that actually gives you – a little bit bigger say in how in kind of the direction of the product, because yep. uh, if you're one of the first people that they're you're, they're talking to and getting advice from and getting feedback from, there's a tendency to you know to for you to get your desires dealt with. Uh, they need you know, feedback. Somebody new. They need feedback. Yeah. So so we you know we took the plunge. Um, we you know we we I think we signed our contract and started the process in 17, and we were fully implemented in 18.
0: Yeah. And what are you using now? Seeing what you started with to where we are, twenty twenty three. What kind of tools and rollouts and things that get you excited on a on a day to day basis?
2: Well, we I mean we use you know we use the fundamental uh, packages. I don't you know I think that we're probably a bit remiss in that we haven't uh, aggressively adopted some of the new mm-hmm. newer features of of the software. I think you know we certainly could benefit from. Some of the things, um, you know, like payment processing and EAP mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we really stayed completely and just our preference. We stayed away from their um, payroll and mm-hmm. um, and kind of labor management tools. Uh, and again, we'll revisit it. And I told them back in the day, I said, we'll revisit it. But we went to something that was really more uh, focused on what our issues were and could accommodate uh, Multi jurisdictions that—that was a big thing for us with a lot of fairly complex labor laws, um, so so we had a different solution, still do, uh, but but we'll revisit that and see if it makes sense because again, I'd love to have a comprehensive solution um, that meets all our needs, uh, but you know, up to let's say up to this point, I've not successfully ever encountered anything like
0: that. When you look at your entire tech stack for your entire operations, how important is integration in the things that you're trying to accomplish?
2: It's fairly important. I mean, it, it's fairly important. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of lost motion when things don't integrate. Yeah. And we've tried, you know, even in the context of even things like reservation systems. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, you know, we, we've made some moves recently where we, because OpenTable refused to integrate with Seven Rooms, which is mm-hmm. our primary table management software. Seven Rooms, great people. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, yeah I love them. I we know do. Joel. Joel's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I know we Joel. We did we did, good, we, did uh, we did
0: some content with
2: them at National Restaurant Association. Yeah, I loved, awesome. I love those yeah. guys. Um, and we were we were early adopters with them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, and actually, it's rather funny because even with our hotel partners at this point, every one of our hotel partners, with one exception, um, is is using them basically exclusively but we've gotten to the point where we we actually dropped because of the lack of integration of their or let's say open tables decision to no longer uh, you allow the api to to talk to seven rooms um we've actually we dropped open table completely it's out of our restaurants with the exception of one
0: yes
1: so I do want to speak a little bit to R365 um, as well and our decision to go with them. I joined the company, we're still on Compete, and I second Mike's uh, comment about it passionately. It was probably in my opinion, in my experience, the worst software I have ever personally worked in. We converted to R365 about six months after I started and I I, I just couldn't wait, you know, because I I felt like I was literally in hell with my back broken and within Compete and the constrictions of pulling information out or reporting, which was, I don't know if you guys ever been into it, you know, all the add-ons we needed to do to be able to export reports into Excel. And we... Plunged into R three sixty five head on with everything that is on the table at the time, Mm -hmm. Um, because you also have to realize twenty eighteen to today it's a very different product, right? So we we took a huge step forward with what R three sixty five offered in twenty eighteen, and um, embraced everything they had. The I can speak specifically to accounting team, my team. We have the size we were five years ago, purely based on half of a technology improvement being our 365 and half of it is business discipline to what Mike touched on earlier, just the process redesign, some of it simple, some of it a little more kind of complicated, but we've gained a ton of efficiency because both of the improved technology from where we were as well as some of the discipline that we brought in into the, our processes. And um, we are, and I agree with Mike, we are probably at this point, you know, given the speed of today's world of technology development and slightly behind the latest things that R365 has to offer, but very much interested in it, uh, in in what's uh, happening. We talked about the AP automation for the payment side mm-hmm. of it. That's something I definitely want to look into it. We talked about the workforce management as well, as I think that is something every every company Goes through evaluation and constant process, like you know, how much I put into one place versus what's the benefit of this one as the other one. There's no perfect system or solution. I think even if, you know, financing wasn't an object, uh, uh, not in, uh, uh, finances were not. Uh, I'm sorry. So the cost of the product wasn't an issue, I still don't think they're probably the one at all solution for, for the businesses. But we are excited to be their partners and uh, we're very excited to be partners earlier on because we went through a lot of conversation back and forth. You know, our Mark Owen, who was our implementation um, specialist and forever tethered to us, I have his cell phone and I told him I'll be selling it on a black market. <laughs>
0: Comes Don't worry, I'll just publish day, it on the right? show.
1: We'll just, um, but we've had very good. That's time. the
0: secret. Don't tell everyone the secret. That's the secret right. is you've you you got, got to, to get as close as you can yeah. to the most important people in Absolutely. the tech companies so you can get your things done. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, he moved on it's to. It's easy to
0: be a squeaky wheel when you got a direct connect.
1: And uh, when he moved on to his current role, I'm like, that means nothing for us. It means Just nothing. So that's we, exactly we are, right. You know, I'm happy for you and congratulations. Congratulations, on your but, but it we're doesn't always mean, yes. here.
0: Yes. That's, um, but we had go. a lot of
1: conversations early on when we first adopted it to, uh, you <laughs> know, hey. And some of it was, were fun conversation. You know, I have a county background through and through, right? And this is technology. And once in a while, I'll tell him, like, Did you have anybody from a county background look at this? <laughs> because it doesn't quite look right or it doesn't quite function right. Yeah. So we had a lot of good laughs, and uh, they're, they're very open and receptive to the feedback we provided mm-hmm. and um, ideas we submitted. We were part of their testing, you know, they gathered. Th- Four or five ideas they would send out back in the day they would send out a email saying like hey can you guys look at this and let us know what you think so which made you know it makes you feel good being included in this conversation because the work being done is to improve the software to provide greater efficiency or streamline the process, which is very valuable because you know none of us have enough time to do everything that we wanna do. And saving time because of the efficient process or a product is, is definitely a huge plus. And we have definitely benefited, like I said, in hard costs from going to R365 just by, by the um, ease of the processes that the system offers in, in various aspects of, of, of operations
0: do you have one story where you could share a lesson that you learned from wolfgang i'm sure you've learned many but one story
1: i'll share one story
2: (laughs) from wolfgang
1: yeah so um i uh, made a personal choice for no other reason to stop eating meat okay so i don't eat red meat or chicken So I was at our California office one day, and he was doing a presentation. He was testing out some, uh, uh, he was testing out hamburgers and doing, so they were doing a cooking show. And when you happen to be there, which is amazing, right after it, all of this, you get to eat, sure. right? Someone so we're sitting in the conference room and uh, they bring the burgers, you know, he just showed, and they're like still sizzling. And uh, we cut them up and and they're beautiful looking burgers. Uh, stacked with all the toppings and yum stuff and uh, everybody's trying to piece and I'm, I'm fine like I'm like not a big deal. And uh, Mike um, and Wolf said something like about why I wasn't eating and Mike says like Julia doesn't eat meat and Wolf says like that's hamburger.
2: It's, not meat. In, it's, not, it's meat. not meat. It's not meat. <laughs> it's
1: a hamburger. It's <laughs> <not
0: meat. laughs> like it's a hamburger.
1: That's great. But what good. did you
2: learn? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, what, so did mean, was, that, what did you learn? I learned from
1: Wolfgang that hamburgers not meat. It's not meat. It reminded me of that scene from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I don't know if you guys saw the movie where he was in was a vegetarian, and, and she said that's okay, make lamb. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. It was pretty fun. But uh, I mean, Wolf is very funny, and you know, as Mike mentioned, uh, very personable person and at times there's like no filters or uh, no filters which makes it which makes it like you know he's human and when you interact with him you just feel like you're human and nobody you know he's celebrity chef i'm the bean counter (laughs) we're still talking about you know like like you and i are talking and like mike and i are talking
2: i'll give you a real story
1: this is a real story i'll give you a a real
2: story where some of you learned something i did learn
1: something (laughs) hamburgers not meat
2: okay so uh we had a um wolfgang started something in la uh and out of out of our uh, facility there um which we called rogue kitchen
0: okay i like it and what
2: rogue kitchen was is you would bring uh different chefs uh, um within our group from all from all around the world and basically they'd spent a couple weeks there and the first week they had to develop recipes on their own, nothing that they could, nothing that they serve in the restaurant. Okay. It had basically could not be something they served in the restaurant it had to be something they made up, hopefully based on their heritage or where they came from or something of that nature. Because in this test kitchen, what would happen is the first week you would develop and, and, and basically perfect okay. your recipes. In the second week we would actually sell tickets to the rogue kitchen to, to, oh, cool. to the public yeah. and people would come in. It was only, it was in a little seating area. I mean, literally maybe eight seats, mm-hmm. um, you know, right on like, you know, the equivalent of like a, almost like a sushi bar, mm-hmm. the, like the kitchen was sounds, right. Yeah. yeah. It was almost an omakase kind of thing, no. but it was the, the kitchen was right, right there. And okay. the chef was right there and the chef had to cook the dish, present it to the guests and then explain. You know, why he had done what he had did and, and, and where this came from and, and interact and, and then get feedback as yeah. well. And, you know, and I, I thought that was really interesting. And Wolf and I had a long conversation about it. And, and he said, well, and I said, that's really neat because they learn new cooking and, and whatnot. And he said, he said, no, that's not what it's about. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I can teach anyone to cook. I can't teach anyone to be a chef. And what he meant by that was that that guest interaction, that guest interaction and the ability to take feedback from someone other than another professional chef who would say to you, it's a little too salty or I, you know, I don't like this or whatever. The ability to do that, that humility and, and that ability to interact is what the difference is between a cook and a chef. That's amazing.
0: That's why we share
2: stories like this is so that we all can
0: learn. And we're grateful that you guys pay attention to the show that you follow the show, subscribe, um, every Wednesday, every Friday on the social audio app clubhouse, you can join us, tell us about your restaurant. If you're in sales, if you're in marketing, if you're in finance, uh, come on stage, tell us about what you're working on, what you're building. Uh, We have a micro community of digital hospitality leaders from all over the globe. Um, where can people follow you, connect with you, LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn,
2: definitely LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, we we have all our stuff are through the, through the website as well. Are you hiring in any parts uh, of the company? We're um,
0: always hiring. Always, tryouts, always recruiting. Tryouts always. are ongoing. Tryouts are always ongoing. Yeah, we're always we're always hiring. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and uh, we will catch you all next week. If you want to connect with me, it's at Sean P Walchef. S H A W N P W A L C H E F. That's LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, all the platforms. I'm weirdly available. We appreciate you. Thank you, Restaurant365. And uh, let's go enjoy the show. Thank,
1: Thank, you. Thank you for having us. Yes.